From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. When I have on these podcast guests, I really want to know how is this going to affect me and what can I learn from it? So Peter's experience at Portland State University, I feel like that does occasionally happen to me. Not in the same category or, you know, not in the same, I'm not political in that way, but of course... People sometimes get upset over things I write or say, and I want to know how people like Peter deal with it rather than succumb to anxiety or regret or depression. Anyway, let's see what Peter did. So now let's get to exactly what happened to you and what you're going to do about it. So you went, all this happened. Uh, nobody's responding to you. You get reported. You don't know what racial justice is. You don't know why it's the highest priority university. And you don't know how this got decided. And you don't know how it's going to affect you if you don't teach a, a conforming to these guidelines that were suddenly imposed upon you. You go to the dean and, and what happens? 
Oh, there's just way, there's way more to the story than that. I mean, oh, well, go, you know, go I, tell me. Well, I've just repeated it so many times now, but you know, like I, I go, it's in my my letter. You know, I, I, I go and I'm to this hearing, which isn't even about what they're talking about, and and I'm told, you know, I can't render my opinion about protected classes or teach in any way that my opinion about, and I just remember being so stunned by that. I asked an individual who was in that meeting, like, clarify that for me. And this individual clarified, I'm like, yeah, okay. Ah, so that's the other the other thing in the book. Like, if you don't understand something, like say, really, is this what you mean? And then I said this and he repeated it. And I'm like, wow, okay. So that I did understand that correctly. So there were just conditions and they were, it was just, it just became so crazy. It just, it just became a, um, it wasn't a symposium where people get together and they argue and they, you know, Converse. It was a catechism. The whole thing was like a big, a big church. Well, let me and, ask and, you what what you learned. Like, did you learn what racial justice means according to them? How did they define it ultimately? Uh, well, that's okay. So that's Is that so, just black race. Is it no, Jew, no, 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 no. Jewish so, race? Okay. I, I mean, I can tell you what the literature says about that because I've done more than my homework. I've done deep dives. I've read the original source material. I've done all of this. But and, and this isn't this isn't a um a cheat on your question. I don't want to speak for somebody else. Okay. Maybe you should invite the president of the provost of Portland state university. That'd be a great thing. He will never come on your show, but invite him and say, Hey, I really want to know what racial justice is and why it should be the highest priority. I mean, if nobody will talk to me, maybe someone will talk to you. Cause maybe racial justice in his mind means everybody should just be a good person to everybody else. Well, okay. If somebody wants to say it's the highest priority of a public university. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. But the, the real but, issue is but, that somehow they labeled you an enemy and they wouldn't talk right. to you. But even if that is the, uh, even if, you know, all rational people, every sane person would consent to that, given that there's no definition, how do you know that that's actually what he's talking about? Right. That's good. That's the question. That's the reason why I'm asking what, what's the definition, but okay. But given but the that only, it's a the mess. Only, the, the only way to figure that out is to ask somebody who believes it. Like, and, and, like I'm absolutely the I'm the what, wrong person to ask that question to. What about other professors who were like, oh yeah, of course, this he's were any were did every professor instantly go stop talking to you or what happened? Oh no, this was a this was a long you know when I published uh, my Sokol style hoax paper, I co-published it in 2017, uh, claiming that penises were social constructs. Um, my my trouble predated that when I started asking questions and the more questions I asked, the more, uh, the more troubles I had, you know, I was constantly accused of microaggressions. I asked for evidence of microaggressions that microaggressions are real things. And I was accused of that being a microaggression. I brought up the article, Scott Lilland Fields, 2017 article, microaggression, strong claims, inadequate evidence. I was told that the article itself was a microaggression. I mean, it, I mean, it was really like things that people at, at junior high did to each other on the playground. So, so just to summarize you, you, I, and I, I know of the story, you did a hoax paper where you used all the language of academia and, and culture studies and so on. And you basically showed that, uh, uh, penis, a penis, which is a physical object on a man's body is not that it's a social construct and, and you got it published uh, and yeah. people so were, you can't, you couldn't even say man anymore, but yes, correct. Yeah. Well, I would have said, man, I just, it, it struck me as be, I was being more scientific somehow. 
So, uh, uh, ah, but it's not about science. It's about ideology, right? Right. So, and that's the problem. So, so you, the fact, a, the fact that you were able to get this published is, is funny to me because it's so obviously not a okay. social construct. So, so, so mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about that. Cause you're going to get 50,000 comments about that. So we published this piece and many of the critics were correct. And they said, this is a low ranking journal. It doesn't, we wrote it in the, wrote it up in the skeptic magazine. Uh, Michael Shermer's magazine. It, this does not prove what you think it proves. If you want to prove what you think your point is, you have to do A, B, C, D, E. So I said, all right, let's do A, B, C, D, E. We did A, B, C, D, E. We published far more papers and far better journals arguing morally repugnant and absurd things. And the consequence of that was not, oh, gee, maybe there's a problem with the bo this body of literature. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to formulate public policies based upon what comes out of this vein of thought. But the consequence was to come after me, to besmirch my integrity, to say that I'm a right-wing maniac. I mean, anything other than one iota of self-reflection. So so what, what journal published it? I forget. The, the Conceptual Penis as a Social Construct? Yeah. Cogent social sciences and the new, the, uh, the Sokol squared, we, we published seven papers before the wall street journal uh, busted us. We probably would have gotten 12 or maybe 13, 14, even I doubt 14, but probably 13. And, and each of those papers was uh, more deranged than the other one. And you can find the, those papers. We've posted them all along with the reviewer comments online. And, and did people say, I, I, like, I, I haven't read the paper, so I apologize about that, but like did people, kind of, I guess they published you. So they said, okay, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't understand. Does a social construct mean it's not like a real scientific thing? Okay. So that's the big thing now. And I just retweeted uh, uh, something, uh, that how prescient the social <laughs> the, the conceptual penis was. So it is the belief. Okay. So this is kind of complicated to understand and, and it was going to break your brain for a minute, but, but I have learned to think I've read this stuff so deeply that I have learned to think how these individuals think. So at core of all of this is biology denialism, right? So it's even denialism uh, um, of evolution. The moral substructure to that is that these things lead to racism. We can talk to that about that, but let's just bracket that for now. So inherent with biology denialism is the idea that if, if, things aren't rooted in biology, then they're a construct. They're just made up, right? So if something is just made up, then all we need to do is either change the meanings of words. I'm giving you a, a crash course in like 60 seconds here. Change the meanings of words. So then it changes the way people think differently about things or change the structures in which the power dynamics are operative. So you can think about it like, uh, we, I published a piece, I co-published a piece, I think in 2000, maybe 14 or something, uh, privilege is the original sin. And I, uh, con contrasted privilege in the social justice literature to a Christian original sin and, and showing how social justice was, uh, a, a kind of religion, a religion that's now taken over almost all of our institutions. And so with that idea what they want to do is they want to level the privilege hierarchy. Just as the communists wanted to level the economic hierarchy, the woke want to level the privilege hierarchy. Okay, and but let me, let me ask you a question. Though, I know because, there's a ton, there's just so much there. So, but I'm gonna ask you just a basic question. So, and I think it'll put this in context a little better. 
so if I say, uh, 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 oh, she's a man. Okay. And yeah, I'm almost sounding derogatory there, but I saw there's better ways to do this, but, uh, you know, a ma- the concept of man is obviously a biological concept, but it is also a social concept. Like we have cliches about what a man is and you know, oh, I'm I, like someone said to me the other day, uh, oh, I feel like less of a man cause I couldn't fix something in the basement. And, uh, so in that sense, man is often used as a social construct. And so there's still, there's still a line there. Like obviously I don't, that person is I don't, not, I don't think anybody's denying that there are socially constructed aspects of masculinity and femininity and all these things. Sure, so, so I, I can understand like, Oh, issue. this person's got, doesn't have a penis. I might mean that this person's like not acting manlike in some, you know, maybe immature way of understanding what a man is, but you know, I might, if I might be able to use it in a, as a social construct rather than a biological one. Right. So I, I, is there, I, I missed the question. There's so, so much so, going so, on in the conversation. So, right. So the question is there, could a penis be considered a social construct and a biological one at the same time? Uh, I mean, yeah, anybody could consider anything, anything. I mean, if, if you can consider virtually the whole society, everything, race is a social construct, everything. Look, the, the underlying, one of the underlying roots of this is the reason that you have to consider things social constructs is because any, as um, Kendi and Tahanasi Coates, et cetera, have written, any disparity in outcomes has to be due to problems in the system, right? And so you, 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 you automatically take out the possibility of genetic variance and genetic difference. Now that's an ugly road that I don't want to go down and I don't think anybody should go down, but the question remains, why couldn't there just be cultural differences? And I mean, of course there are cultural differences. I mean, the best example of that is if you've ever gone to Brazil, um, you ever gone to Brazil? No. Uh, well in Brazil, they eat avocados with sugar. And in virtually every other place I've ever been, Mexico and the U.S., et cetera, they eat, I think my dog's going to go berserk because the, the UPS guy's here. Uh, they eat avocados. We eat, I eat avocados with salt and spice. So that's a cultural thing. So any um, any difference in outcome, and so that's not a racial example, but you can have cultural factors that are causally responsible for different outcomes. Yeah, So so I'm just wondering, like, was your paper kind of, even though it was a hoax, but was it kind of implying that a penis was just a social construct, that any use of the word penis, people mean it socially? We, we, I think people should just read the paper themselves. I think it's extremely funny. There's a lot of, uh, of vulgarities in there. It says that penises are responsible for climate change, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, I so think it's a funny. So we said did, that there how did are that get published? How, a, like, actual penises do exist. So, so the, the conceptual penis was just the forerunner for the the thousand pound hammer, which was Sokol squared. And that was the targeting of the best journals, absurd, morally reprehensible conclusions. Uh, you know, p- the famous one that everybody talks about is that, you know, dog parks are petri dishes for canine rape culture. And we talked, we talked about the deranged, totally deranged idea. By the way, that paper won an award for pride of place in the journal. So, you know, it just goes to show you, uh, what what we're talking about here are fat bodybuilding that should be a category of bodybuilding <laughs> in in which fat people go in and display their fat in non-competitive ways one of my i mean we j- people can look them up i a lot of these didn't gain traction because they're 
too esoteric. I can tell you about some of them if you want, but I think that the larger point is that we pointed out that there are problems in this body of literature. Those problems are influencing public policies and university policies, which are then reinforcing themselves. Things are bleeding out of the university, and it's all predicated on something that's inherently corrupt. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, Good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important. And I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. From their innovative practice facility 
to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. There's so many levels in what in your story and your personal story in Portland State University where you could say this is broken. Just like in the media, there's some areas where media is not broken, but there's critical areas where media is broken, politics are broken, and the problem is it infiltrates. I mean, it used to be the case, even if you didn't agree with the university, the teachers themselves were not activists. Correct. They were teachers. Now they're activists and they're doing things that are teaching our kids whether you agree with woke culture or not, the way it's being taught is that I find morally reprehensible. All right, let's let's talk about this. So let's say that you agree with woke culture. Let's say you're a big fan of cancel culture. Let's say that you think all uh, white people are intrinsically racist. Let's say that you we, we need to give a kind of equity-based reparations for people who have historical injustices, except for Asians and Jews. So let's say that you buy some of these fundamental principles of woke ideology. In one sense, the next question to that would be, well, if you believe you have the truth, why wouldn't you want to have different conversations with people? Why wouldn't you want to bring in people and let others decide for themselves in the same way of my atheist class? Like, why, why wouldn't you want to just bring... Well, well, the answer to that is that they do not believe in conversation, discourse, dialogue, etc. They believe that those things are tools of the white man. They're tools of white people, and they, those are designed to keep minorities and people with historical oppression variables down. So once you understand that, then they have a literature around that, platforming. We don't want to get platform people. And what you said about when you went on Fox, you then have guilt by association. No, not guilt by association, but people uh, uh, were offended by association. Yeah, okay, offended by association, or you're guilty, or you're offended. It doesn't matter. It's the same kind of principle that's right. operative. There are mechanisms in place to buttress the ideology to prevent it from being questioned. And, and again, if that were a religion, you know, in, in, in a local church, okay, well, we can have that conversation. I've written a whole book about why I think that's a problem. But this is now happening to our academic institutions. Right, and, and what people don't realize, which was so um, aptly pointed out in both cynical theories by your friends, uh, Helen and, and James, and also um, Jonah, Jonah uh, Goldberg's Goldberg. book, uh, Liberal Fascism, is yeah. that these are the tools that starts authoritarian regimes like like Germany or you know Stalinism or Maoism. Right. And, and, people, and, and, and Jonah Goldberg uh, uh, documents this historically very well, and he's well-respected, and so are, you know, Cynical Theories was a best-selling book by, by James Lindsay and, and, or by Helen and, and James. Yeah. And, so, and uh, people have documented this. So, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I just want, just, just as an aside, um, you know, J Jonah Goldberg calls, you know, capitalism the miracle. The first line in that book is, uh, uh, I think, you know, start, this book starts with the assumption that there is no God, but here's what's interesting. I was going to say that cynical theories, I think has sold over, uh, 200,000 copies, but yet this will tell you about, you know, wokeism spreading. The New York Times is a woke disgrace, even though they have now have John McWhorter writing for them. And what they did to Barry, Barry Weiss was a disgrace. 
But they left cynical theories off of the New York Times bestseller list, even though it was it sold enough by a discrete metric uh, to be on the New York Times bestseller list. They did the exact same thing to Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. Yeah, uh, it's a shame that everybody looks for at the New York Times bestseller list as a signal of literary success, when actually it's uh, totally subjective who gets on. There's one person who decides what books go on and in what order, and that person could just make it up. <laughs> So, so I think I think that we we have a problem. People have woken up. If you will allow me the turn of pun, the turn of phrase, the pun, uh, to, to what the problem is. They're sick of it. They don't like walking on eggshells. They don't know what to do about it. We know, as I've been screaming about for years, Lola, uh, Lola. They know exactly where this problem comes from. It comes from the university, the article, and if you would please, uh, if you could please post in the, the description, the article from the American Sociological Review, that would be fantastic. I think people sure. should should see that themselves. And, and it's worth reading the whole piece and it's in, the piece in its entirety. So we, we have a problem. We know where this problem comes from. And, and it's not only is it not going away, ideologues have taken hold of the institution and, and there's ideological capture of those, of our, of our knowledge, our engines of knowledge production. These people have jobs for life. They have tenure. They teach people. Uh, um, um, we, we can talk about the whole mechanism of how the ideology re reinforces itself. Hey, Lola. It's okay though. People have dogs. That's my mentor. Frank Wesley, he, he was in Buchenwald and he went on oh, wow. to, 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 he died at 98, to liberate the very concentration camp in which the Nazis put him. Uh, oh. he, he was actually one of the most amazing, if not the most amazing people I ever met. When um, they, 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 they put him in, um, they interned him, he was picked up on Kristallnacht and he told me the insane stories, like the Nazis would walk him around and they'd yell Jew at him and they had these big belt buckles with belts and they'd whip him as they went around and they walked in circles. And um, he, he was amazing. Like among the things he told me that he prevented the, 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 the very guards who inflicted unspeakable cruelty on him, he prevented those people from being murdered by the other prisoners and by the guards who liberated the camp. I mean, there is a model of decency, like, so, and now, me, now contrast that with all, this with all this punching Nazi stuff, right? I mean, right. it's just. Let me ask you, because that's such a beautiful story, and, and you knew him personally, and you've probably heard many more stories of his bravery and, and so on. Do you think. Decency. Do you think, right, but I'll, I'm going to call it bravery for a reason. Do you think philosophical bravery like that exists now? Like, are there, like, it's hard to even think of a situation where one, like, so you philosophically believe in decency and you use bravery, you put yourself at risk to, to enforce what you philosophically believe in, in about decency. And so that's why I distinguish that from bravery and I distinguish that from decency. So do you think philosophical bravery like that exists now? I think it's in extremely short supply and please allow me to give you an example. One of the hottest topics right now in this country is mandatory vaccinations and vaccine passports. Now, it doesn't make any difference what you think of that or what I think of that, but those are really important issues that affect the way we govern ourselves as a society and literally everybody is talking about it. I mean, it's, it's um, 
it's causing bitterness and divisiveness across the country. And, and it's almost, almost exclusively along party lines. Why have there been virtually no philosophers to speak up about this? Philosophy has a very important contribution, the analytical, the, the rigor that we can bring to the analysis of, the, of that debate and both sides. But yet there are virtually no philosophers, academic philosophers, people who specialize in ethics speaking out about this. I have my own speculations as, as to why that would be and, and why the university creates a kind of, the tenure process creates a kind of submission and cowardice in people. But it's not just the university system, it's social media too. Uh, oh, it, app, that's that's it, a big part of it. So whatever my, the issue is, if you if, 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 a, if a social media company disagrees with you, you could get banned. And uh, the Ayatollah correct. of Iran could say whatever he wants about Israel, but you'll get banned for saying something about dogs and rape culture, like who or whatever. Correct. So correct. so but but let me ask your advice because this affects society at every level. Like you've been personally affected. You 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 found it to be too hostile environment to work in. So you you quit Portland State University and that puts your life at risk. Like you have to make a living for your your family. And and you can't have half the country thinking you're immoral. There's, there's, you're going through a, a, a tough period because of this. And and this is happening also at, at corporations. Like there's uh, there's corporations now. I just heard about one. I won't name it because I haven't verified it, but a major corporation where you have to apologize for whatever transgressions you could think of that you might not even believe in and whatever. I don't know. But I, I feel like I have suffered. We all have suffered through this to some extent or other, but I have my own situations where I've suffered through some of this. And I got, I, I feel like I got a little depressed about it. Like, so I, I, I moved and moved again until now I'm sort of as isolated, the most isolated I've been in my life, really not, not because I'm trying to hide from anyone, but just because I don't want to deal with it. And, and maybe it's still tinged with a little, like a simmer of depression about it. Like what advice would you give me? Like, I think the, the, the goal is to really not care so much because you'll get frustrated if you care because you can't fix it. I don't know if the goal is to not care so much, although I'm sympathetic to people who just want, just want to, because I've had the thought myself, who just want to go on a live on a farm and wait until the madness subsides. But That's I, essentially, I think what that, I did. Yeah, well, I mean, even in those situations, the you know, if you if you look at not only the the psychological literature but the philosophical, I mean, dating back to Aristotle, one of the things that gives us the most um, uh, the, the most fulfillment in life. I, I don't want to say the less, I think that the word that they use in the psychological literature is fulfillment is, is having relationships that matter and key to having relationships that matter are you have to be able to speak to the people with whom you're speaking in an honest, open and forthright way. Cause if you don't do that, then people will never know you for who you are. They'll only know you for who you think they are and vice versa. And so at the core of all of this, we have to maintain our integrity and we have to maintain our ability to speak freely with people. And, and if you do that, then, and, and, and I guess I have a message that's bundled into that for young people. If you do that, you will have a better life because you'll have relationships that matter and you'll be surrounded by people uh, you, you can trust and you can be open and honest with. But many young people, I think, they're afraid of you know, losing friends. My advice to you in no uncertain terms is that these people are not your friends. 
They're not your friends because your relationship wasn't based on virtue. It was based on something else. But also a lot of people, I think there's also a culture of, and this is related to cancel culture, but not the exact thing. This is always the case. The youth and people in general, not just young people, but people in general are influenced by people in the hierarchy above them. So if you're a student, you're influenced by your professor. If you're an employee, you're influenced by your boss. If you're a child, you're influenced by your parents. And so that's always existed. And you know, if, if I'm, if I don't like golf, but I'm working in an office where everybody plays golf. And if I want to be one of the guys, I'll go play golf. And if I don't, I might not get financial benefits from it. You know, that's the same kind of issue, but not as repugnant, but it's the same kind of issue. Yeah. And so I guess the question that everybody has to ask themselves is what kind of life do you want to lead? My dad used to always tell me, make sure that you leave the world better when you left than when you came in part and partial that is, trying to lead a reflect Socrates is it's Socrates's question or admonition uh, is um, what's the best type of, of life and the unexamined life is not worth living. So it's a, we have to not only examine our own lives and be honest with ourselves and stick to basic intellectual virtues, like being willing to revise our beliefs, but we have to stand up when there's an injustice, right? You, you, you just can't let the, you know, first they came for, and then they came for, you just can't let an injustice steamroll the society. So what are you, what are you going to do? Like now you're out there in, in the wild blue yonder, whatever you call it. Like you're, you've, you've resigned from Correctly. Congratulations on resigning. Thank I think you. Thank I, you rather, very much. rather than futilely fighting a corrupt system. Thank you. What are you, what are you going to do now? What offers have come in? What, how do you plan on, on living? Uh, free <laughs> with my integrity intact. Um, I started a, a nonprofit national progress Alliance. It's at nationalprogressalliance.org, And I'm going to fight this back. I'm writing another book right now. It's a children's book. It's based upon the life of a young Socrates as he roams a mythical Greek countryside and has conversations with people about a wide variety of things. That's his, one of his superpowers. I love and my that. My goal is to empower young readers to to uh, know that they can have their own superpower and that it's any anybody can access that. I think that's um, a brilliant idea for a book, actually, because Socrates is sort of like, I view him almost as like the invention of pure curiosity and how to approach relationships with others, knowledge, yourself, you know, information. I also, for, for adults, I also recommend Paul Johnson, the historian, Paul Johnson's book, uh, about, uh, about Socrates It was called Socrates. And I, I think that was a, a very, very excellent introduction to Socrates. Mm. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm producing a whole lot of videos that are gonna come out on this topic through my nonprofit, and it ex- basically explains, for example, when the woke say um, houseless, what do, what do they mean? How does it differ from homeless? How does it differ from other? So I'm releasing a series of one minute videos on that, and they're professionally done. They're pretty good. They're just watching the watching them last night or the night before. Uh, I'm I'm. Uh, producing another video series about how College of Education became woke with Lyle Asher and, and other people. So I'm going to do video series. Uh, I, I have, I have, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm working pretty hard to to fight back on what's happening now. The illiberalism, the censoriousness. There's nobody benefits. 
Nobody how are, benefits. How are you making a living? Like you should maybe, you know, like how Barry Weiss left left the New York Times and she's doing very well with a newsletter on Substack. Yeah. So I just spoke to the Substack people, uh, what's today? Wednesday? Uh, what is, oh, Tuesday. I just spoke to them on Monday and uh, I may do Substack. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure yet, but it seems interesting. I have. I have a lot going on. It would. You know. I have to write a, a weekly column, um, and I'm. I'm pretty persnickety about the stuff I write. And I was told it's kind of the the midway between writing a piece for the Wall Street Journal and talking to your friends. And that's a way to think about it. But um, I have a lot of things going on down the pike that are pretty exciting. You should because you're you you've are really good at doing these kind of hoax academic things. You should do something like how, um, what's that guy, uh, James O'Keefe, uh, you know, he does all these hoaxes, uh, it, 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 political hoaxes. That. Oh yeah. Jim O'Keefe. Um, uh, God, what's right. the, he did the one where he's like pretending to be a pimp and a prostitute and they're trying to get, uh, you know, uh, federal, federal help or stimulus money. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, James yeah, O'Keefe. Yeah. Maybe Jay yeah. can send me that link if you don't mind, Jay. Yeah, Project Veritas. So, uh, I, okay, yes, I know that. Yes, yes. But Jay, send yeah. me the link if you don't mind. Yeah, and um, well, you should do something like that, like more hoaxes, and then and then do do like a Patreon, set up a Patreon account to kind of people could donate money who believe in what you're so, doing so to support your, you in doing your hoaxes. If, if I were to do the, the hoaxes, they would have to have a larger meaning. And the, I think the the meaning that I would want to convey is if you can believe absurdities, you can commit atrocities. And that's the situation mm. in which we find ourselves. There's so much that. absurd coming out of the universities right now. I'm not the first person who said that, but there's so much absurd stuff coming out of the universities right now that it is inevitable that people will talk about, you know, book burning, uh, jailing people who don't conform to something and, and God forbid the, the CC word, which I won't mention. So, uh, I, I think that if I were to do something like that, it would have to have a larger a meaning behind it. Yeah. Well, um, so, and, and, and so, but yeah, how you, uh, I mean, not that you necessarily, maybe you had savings or other money, but how are you, you know, yeah. you, you don't have this job now. How are you making a living? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, get back to me. Uh, get back to me on that uh, soon enough. Excellent. Well, Peter, it is always enlightening to talk to you. I really Thanks, enjoy James. it. You have an open invitation to this podcast. Oh, Whenever you've got something you. you want to talk about, come on over. And you're very popular with the listeners. And you and I highly recommend people also listen to the last time you were on with the the power of um, or how to have impossible conversations. And people should definitely read that book. That book is, is, has practically, I mean, it in the practical sense, it has actually helped me and been usable as evidenced you. by, you know, I used an example of it with, with you. And you said that was the way you had. That's this exactly what I did. And I, yeah. I want to thank you sincerely for your support. I want to thank your viewers and your listeners. I mean, truly the outpouring of support has been incredible and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you very much. Yeah. And, um, good luck. And, and, uh, keep sending us your stuff and, and, and you'll come back on. I really appreciate it. And thanks, a lot, thanks man. so much. Appreciate it. Thanks James. From their innovative practice facility 
to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 